listening to the Apollo Podcast Network. One. My fellow host, Paolo Owls, uh, new acquisition, n- newly acquisitioned of a visa over to the United States. Uh, am I correct whoa, in saying whoa. that? Did you, did you already get no, it? You're, no, you're not. People are going to think I'm going to live there. No, I, I okay, don't need well, a travel visa. Travel visa. Oh, you need one? Yeah. Okay. No, I need, I need, I don't need the visa. I need the waiver for the visa. Okay. All right. So he's newly waiver. On waivers now. Fresh off off the waiver wire. On waivers now, able to be claimed by any team is 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 Paolo. Go ahead and tell me where they can find your stuff. Uh, What's up, everyone? Y'all can find me at Paolo Alves NBA. That's at Paolo Alves NBA. That's P A U L O A L V E S NBA. Everything I do from podcasts to uh, live like live shows on Twitter Spaces and articles. We'll find something on there. And if y'all can't tell, I decided uh, like a genius to sleep in like three waves last night. So I'm a, a little loopy. So you have to bear with me. Uh, as always, you can find my stuff at Don Knock on Twitter. Make sure to follow the pod at Apollo Launchpad. Make sure to follow the Apollo HOU main account, Apollo HOU on Twitch, and Apollo Podcast Network on YouTube. So. We're going no, to no guests. No guests. Uh, no. I was just getting there, bro. Just chill. No, there's no, there's no guests here today. <laughs> no. Okay. Our, our our no our non-existent guest goes by the name of Jackson Gatlin. Uh, you may know him. He usually shows up here on Thursdays. Uh, <laughs> Jackson. This is the you. greatest introduction of all time. I'm just going to put it out there. the The pod <laughs> is less than three minutes in, and it is utterly derailed because Don has not had a sufficient amount of sleep no, it's incredible I'm to see completely delirious we spent He's like 15 minutes so holding up it. foam things in front of our microphone before we started don to see if it looks better. more lost than lebron james did when eric gordon had him spinning in circles at the start of rockets lakers that's how lost don looks <laughs> that's right how now. i feel inside that's how i feel <laughs> inside is, right this now. this is how we know this is how we know jackson's about at this podcast because he quickly pivoted and gave you a way out into a laker segment and you need to take it now <laughs> No, I'm going to be generous and let Jackson plug all of his great work and uh, tell everyone where they can find him at. What great work? No, um, <laughs> uh, you can follow me on Twitter at JT Gatlin. That's where I yell about everything that I do. Uh, Locked on Rockets on Twitter, Locked on Rockets on YouTube, wherever you get your podcasts. Also Locked on NBA every Monday. I host that one. Uh, it's a five-day week pod, but I host the Monday show. The hashtag is Big Mad. Just kidding. That was a... That was a, a Nikaias do- joke that I just stole. Anyway, in other great and recent news, the Rockets uh, have won now two out of their last three games, and they've played well in all three of them. The most recent one coming against the Los Angeles Lakers last night. As I'm sure most of you know by now, if not watch the game, I'm sure most of you all have seen the highlights and, and things like that. So to start this game off, I think the Big, you know, the big takeaway, the big star of this game for the Rockets was Jalen Green. And there was a little bit of a reckoning on 
Twitter and Rockets Twitter versus, you know, other figures and groups on Twitter that may have had something sideways to say about Jalen uh, in the past. There was a lot of tweets being dug up. There was a lot of uh, um, fish. I mean, Pfeiffer, I mean, uh, uh, you know, floundering around for, for people to, to target, but Jackson, we're going to start with you. What was some of your favorite tweets uh, about the Jalen Green performance? What were your favorite elements of the Jalen Green performance? And, you know, how do you think Jalen's going to you know build on this for the rest of the season? You know, what's really disappointing is I'm so washed. Like I, I don't, I, I don't super get into like the, the Twitter streets anymore with, you know, people who are, you know, saying, Oh, Jalen's a bust, this, that, and the other thing. Like I, I just, it's exhausting to the point where I'm just like, no, like I, this kid's got talent, right? Like I taught, you know, and you know, I did my work before the draft. A lot of people did the Rockets front office, did their work, all of that to the point where maybe I just don't see much of it anymore. Like it's just not on my timeline. I, you know, guess I'm not following the right people or interacting with the right people. I I've seen, Hollywood. You know, I don't have, no, definitely. Absolutely not. No, take that back. Um, no, it's definitely one of those though, where I know that the, narrative has definitely been out there. I don't have a specific tweet in mind or a specific person in mind to like absolutely say, Hey, this person's an idiot because they had the worst take possible about Jalen green. And frankly, I'm just not that type of person to begin with anyways. Like I'm not going to be the type of person to dig up receipts and try and, you know, dunk on somebody because they had a bad take about somebody because frankly i've had plenty of crappy takes throughout my career and i'm gonna have plenty of more crappy takes and i think the sign of a good you know talking head analyst whatever you want to call yourself fan uh media member when it comes to a sport be it basketball or any of the other sports out there right is the ability to change your opinion about something and even i had my doubts about jalen green at points this season whereas mainly it was just he didn't deliver as immediately as we thought he was going to but over this stretch since about early February, right? Basically February 1st and on. So just before the All-Star break and especially after the All-Star break, we're seeing a different version of Jalen Green. And it's so impressive. Like he's finally, he's really starting to put it all together. You can tell that the game is slowing down for him. He's making reads and he's attacking defenses in ways that you would not have seen earlier this season. He's understanding where to get or how to get to spots on the floor to be more effective. Earlier this season, we basically saw him as a guy that could only get it done like at the cup, driving basically straight up, just using his athleticism and you know his burst of speed to try and beat defenders to the rim. Now we're seeing him be a bit more methodical, getting to spots on the floor, kind of attacking, resizing, reloading, and then attacking again, that kind of thing, using pick and rolls to his advantage. Whereas earlier this season, he still ran some pick and rolls, but it never really felt like he was creating himself an advantage out of the pick and roll. Now, whether that's because of issues with the screeners, we can get into Christian Wood stuff, absolutely, whatever. We're seeing Jalen Green start to put it together. And I think the biggest part, the most you know, pleasant surprise of all of that has been how quickly he's re-added that mid-range shot to his game because it felt like he used the mid-range shot quite a bit when he was in the G League. It felt like it was kind of a, a sweet spot for him to be able to get to that 15, 18 you know, foot pull-up jumper. And he kind of abandoned that to start his NBA career. We didn't really see him utilize it a lot, except for like in panic modes at the top of the key, basically. Now we're seeing him use it in rhythm within the flow of the offense when that's what the defense is conceding and giving to him. And it's really getting him rolling in some of these games and he's helping him close out teams like the Lakers. So congratulations on not taking the bait. Uh, you did, you did excellent work there. Uh, 
I'm going to throw out there for myself my favorite tweet. This wasn't, you know, this wasn't anyone going after a take specifically, but uh, there was a tweet by Macaulay713. Uh, and it said the Rockets going into isolation against Mello. And then it has five Shams tweets that say lunchtime. So that was my favorite tweet uh, of the night. Uh, I think that one had 218 likes, 48 retweets. So it was pretty good. It was nice and wholesome, not too sinister. But uh, I will also say, Prodigy and I have turned into drama merchants. So, so when you gave me that response, I was like, wow, I may have to do some personal reflection here on how I'm asking these questions. But Prod, we're going to jump over to you now. Uh, if you want to have a favorite tweet of the night, you can throw that one out. And then same, same thing on Jalen Green. How do you think uh, Jalen's going to continue this performance as he moves forward in the future? Listen... <laughs> I'm 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 disappointed that you did not shout out fellow Apollo Launchpad host Richard Binkley for his tweet, which says "classic at hold at all takes exposed," and there's a screenshot of Rockets win against the Lakers, one thirty nine one thirty with Jalen Green celebrating, and then on the left there's a four reasons Jalen Green should come off the bench for the for the Rockets by one Salman Ali so I mean I, I do not condone uh, uh, this type of aggressiveness I, I, I am not a drama merchant on Twitter I am actually very peaceful um, but I mean Lechard's been taking uh, been taking the role of being the, the, the aggro wild one lately and, and I, 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 I'm here for it I, I love it I think I, I love the heel turn uh, now for real now for real now uh, and the thing with Jalen for me it's been we've been hammering this home for what feels like two or three weeks now that whenever Jalen gets the ball whenever Jalen gets to be the guy and, and have the freedom to do whatever he feels like on the court good stuff happens we started off the season where he was playing with no spacing so he couldn't get like even if he got past his man, there was nothing he could do with uh, with Daniel Thais or or Daniel Thais's defender helping off of him, and Christian Wood in there as well. And so for that big stretch of the season, he would only shoot threes or score in transition, and that was basically it. Or he would try to zunk on someone, or or he would have a really contested layup that he'd likely miss, and there were people questioning his finishing ability uh, because of that as well. And then as the season went on and, and as Daniel Thais fell out of the lineup, we have a similar a similar problem with Jason Tate, but not to the same extent. And now that Jalen gets the ball and gets to navigate screens and gets to, like, as um, very infamous now, um, Detroit Pistons account on Twitter, he feels as he gets to play like a hooper and as he gets to get have the ball in, in his hands, get to his spots and look for, for his own shots like he has done his entire career up to this point, instead of being used like Tim Hardaway Jr. on the Mavericks, just coming off screens, catching shooting or finishing plays, going downhill. It feels like we oversimplified the game for him. I feel like he was better already coming in than what we gave him credit for. And simplifying his game in that way made him lose confidence. And he and 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 he, if you if you tell him to do, if you tell anybody to do less than what they're able to do, people are just going to mentally check out, or people are going to feel like if if these people that 
like I'm coming into the NBA, if these people think that I'm not ready to do this, then maybe I'm not ready to do, to do this and you start doubting yourself. So, yeah, for me, Kevin, it was all about confidence. I think that the mid-range shot was already there before. He, it just needed to be anchored, like, anchored because it's normal nowadays to call a mid-range shot a bad shot. And and maybe Jalen wasn't trying to maybe Jalen wasn't trying to step on any toes taking bad shots like that, or what in theory are bad shots because for him that's not a bad shot whatsoever. Like as wide open as he's taking them, that's not a bad shot. And as he takes those shots more and more and more, defenses are going to start uh, closing out of him uh, on the like in the mid range. And we 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 saw just last night someone close out to him uh, on the mid range denying the floater or, 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 or that mid-range shot and he stepped through and he got a wide open layup for it because if, you, if you're committing that hard to the mid-range shot, he is insanely athletic and he is insanely fast and he's going to punish you and get to the rim. So him starting to do that is perfect for, for, for his development as someone who has counters for literally everything just due to his athleticism and one of the most underrated parts of his game which is his footwork. It's the way he gets to his shots in balance from tough positions. It's it's nuts for a guy that's 19 years old and that, that has relied on his athleticism to get through. Like usually guys this athletic aren't this good at fundamentals because their athleticism just gets them through every hump, every step of the way. But Kylian is definitely a lot more polished in that regard. Once, <clears throat> once the Rockets... You know, they had to try to get a stop for the last possession in regulation. They went into overtime. Um, they really came into overtime. You know, Jalen went on that personal 7-0 run. And, and after that, uh, the Lakers, you know, really kind of out of it, you know, from there. What did you think about the execution in overtime? Obviously, it went well, right? But what did you think about the execution, like, in overtime, in the late-game situations? Do you think that, you know, obviously, it ended up, in a win, right? But just from a from a schematic standpoint, did you think that the 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 people you wanted to get touches got touches? Do you think that they ran actions that were were good in terms of you know everyone's wanted to see the young guys get involved and and get the young guys these late touches? Was this really a culmination, like a Maya culpa of a lot of those things? It wasn't. Even, think... it, it was so it was so weird, right? Like, and correct me if I'm wrong here, uh, either of you guys. Like, it wasn't necessarily like running specific like actions or it was just Jalen just taking control of the game specifically in the overtime period right you think about the the series of buckets that he had in the overtime was just the the attacking layup to start the overtime period then he had the three-pointer where he attacked in transition and Russ and I think it was uh Reeves got like mixed up on on who was supposed to pick him up on the perimeter so he just like stepped back into a three-pointer and had like nobody within like 10 feet of him just drilled that first five points of OT and then the next point was he was in transition again, and it was almost a, a, a lob to KPJ that would have absolutely blown the roof off a of Toyota center. And it, the, the lob got fumbled. It was, you know, actually decent transition defense from the LA Lakers. And then Jalen managed to get the offensive rebound back from that. And then go back up with like a little, like whatever, you know, five foot, like little baby hook or whatever, right. You know, right in front of the rim. So it was just Jalen being aggressive. And I don't think we've seen that version of Jalen green enough yet this season i think we're starting to see it on a more regular consistent basis especially over these last handful of games these last few weeks and that's what rockets fans have been waiting for and my thing is is even though maybe you can make the argument that the rockets 
weren't utilizing Jalen Green properly earlier this season and that maybe he could have hit this point a little bit sooner had they put the ball in his hands or given him that chance, you know, a little bit earlier. I think that that the way that they did utilize him allowed him the opportunity to really see where he can be effective to learn and to get to this point naturally, right? Without necessarily the bumps and the bruises in the road of, okay, well, yeah, Jalen Green's got the ball in his hands for like half the game. And he's having these outings where he's, you know, four of 15 from the floor, seven of 21, you know, just he's got the ball in his hands and he's getting shots up, but he's not doing it efficiently because defenses know that he's going to be the focal point or that they're trying to make him the number one option, even though he's not ready for it, that kind of thing. Instead, it's kind of gotten to a point where now Jalen is embracing that number one scoring option, mentality, identity, what have you. And it's happening organ- it's happening organically, naturally, whatever terminology you want to use there. And I do think that you have to look back at how the Rockets have handled him up to this point. And they've preached and they've really emphasized his growth defensively, his ability to impact the game in other ways besides his scoring. And now we're seeing a a more complete holistic version of Jalen Green where now we know that he's got the scoring bag, right? And we're seeing him start to put it together, especially at all three levels with the mid-range. But we also know through some of his struggles from earlier this season that he's become a better defender, that he knows how to impact the game with his athleticism as a rebounder, that he's got a bit of a playmaking bag already, which he wasn't billed as having that coming into the NBA. So that's already a huge bonus to this point in his rookie year. So I already think at this point in his career, Jalen Green is a more complete player than I could have imagined that he would be coming out of the draft, right? I expected him to be a bona fide scorer and anything else would have been gravy on top. So far, we've got a lot of gravy on top and the scoring is finally also coming around, which is why he's starting to look like the true blue number two overall pick and a future superstar for this for this team and for this league. Right. Um, the, the only thing I'll push back on is I think he was still having those terrible nights where you look at the box score and you see he is at times seven for 21 just because the offense was so god-awful with Daniel Thais that he was forced to to chuck up end-of-the-shot-clock threes contested from the logo plenty of times because he couldn't get anything else. And really, it really felt that at times that he would shoot whenever he, he got the ball just because if he didn't, he, it's, it was not likely that he was going to get it back anyways. And right now, it feels like the offense flows a lot better because and the last couple of games has been a proof of this because... They, and they mentioned this on the commentary, they feel like whatever pass they make, that the next person is going to make the right play. And, and, they, and they trust each other to not be selfish. And I think up until now, what's been happening is there's been a lot of obstacles for this Kevin to arrive. I still feel that it could have arrived sooner, but he had we had to go through a lot of obstacles first. We need, first, we needed to Get like get through the stream that Daniel Thais was going to be a good fit. It ended up not being. Then afterwards, he had he was injured for a, a lot of the time after Daniel Thais stopped being a starter. And then after, since then, I feel like it's been slowly but surely. And and since then, it's actually been organically um, happening. But and then to address Don's point about specifically the Lakers. It felt like they had a clear game plan and the Lakers are one of the few teams in the league where there's an easy an easy like like game plan to, to follow. They their plan was attack Armolo Anthony, this guy can't defend. 
Whoa, so, whoa, whoa. That's so disrespectful, Rob. That is a future Hall of Famer. Rockets Carmelo. legend, Carmelo Anthony. How dare you? Yeah, Rockets legend, Carmelo Anthony. Yeah, we really did him dirty, didn't we? Um, but yeah, so they had, we, they had this clear game we. plan. We the Rockets. Oh, okay. I thought you meant, you meant we, we disrespect him. No, that was you disrespecting him by not calling him Rockets legend. All yeah, right, continue man. on. Uh, but like, they had this game plan all game, and we saw Jalen time and time and time again. Uh, either pull up for for the mid range in front of Carmelo, or or just <laughs> that one play where he gets completely bodied, and that should have been a team or whatever. So since they knew that was the game plan, that allowed Jalen to just put in put in his put in his head. Okay, this is what I'm going to do, and I'm going to score on this guy. And if you tell Jalen Green, who's a bona fide scorer, has been his entire career, that hey, you go at this guy the entire game, you're fine. Like nobody's going to criticize you, make or miss the shot. That's the game plan. That that gives him a lot of freedom to do what he does best, which is score. And and I think in overtime was a continuation of what had happened to end the game, where in in Kutland, the last five minutes they would, he was scoring on, on on Carmelo over and over and over again, and then he felt like he got screwed by the refs on that Russell Westbrook drive that should have given. I mean, the refs, the the NBA themselves uh, have since the, like the reports come out saying that should have been a foul, that would have been a foul that would put him at the line with a tie game for two free, for two free throws. Um, and, and knowing what we know now, that would have been the game right then and then. So he felt like he was getting screwed. And you could tell that he just said in his mind, I'm winning this game. I don't really care. I, I don't care that the GOAT or the second best player of all time is on the other side. I'm winning. I'm winning this game. I'm Dylan Green. I'm the shit. <laughs> and that's basically that's basically what happened. And that opened up uh, opened up um, the like opened up the game completely. And the Lakers themselves are an old team that at some that quits pretty easily considering their their current situation. And so it just felt like at some point we got up by seven points, 10 points, 12 points in a blur. And the Lakers just didn't have it in them to keep fighting. And the game just blew right wide open right after the, the overtime started. All right. So we've ran a little long, so we're going to cut here. There's a lot more to unpack from the Lakers game last night. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Looking for a better way to rep H-Town? Be sure to check out ApolloHOU.com for Astros and Rockets apparel you can't find anywhere else. Use promo code LAUNCH for 10% off at checkout. Apollo HOU, all Houston, all original. And continuing on here on the Launchpad Podcast, so jumping right back into the Lakers game from from, uh, last night, you know, Field goal attempts are not the end-all, be-all. But, you know, over the last, I think, seven or eight games, Jalen Green has led the Rockets in field goal attempts, um, I think, all but one of those games. And, and that game, I think Kevin Porter Jr. was the one who led the Rockets in, in field goal attempts. So the, the distribution has got a lot more toward the younger guys recently. Um, I think a lot of people have, have seen that as a positive and seen that as, you know, really starting to cater to the young guys in, in their development kind of like what they wanted to see for the most for most of the season um tonight oh sorry last night Jalen Green was 13 of 21 and that's tied for his season high in field goal attempts the other time was uh, against the Clippers he was nine for 21 then obviously 13 for 21 much better and 
the other person that had a much higher than normal field goal attempts was Alper and Shingun. He was nine for 20 against the Lakers. And that was the most field goal attempts he had in the game by five um, for Shingun. We saw him go up against LeBron James and really, you know, he got blocked a couple of times going up against LeBron, but you know, he really didn't back down, continued to go right at him and, and to see him have that confidence, like LeBron's not the best rim protector in the league, but he's someone who's very strong. Um, can defend in the post very well. And Shingun went in there, scored a couple of times, got rolling, and you could see that that confidence of Shingun going up against LeBron really, you know, trickle out into everyone else. So um Jackson, we're gonna start with you. You know, what did you see from Alper and Shingun last night uh in the game against the Lakers? I saw yet another well, first just on your point about him, you know, going up against Braun, I mean Shingun's not afraid of anybody. Like when it we we talk, we throw the word confidence around a ton. And even at times we talk about, oh, well, you know, maybe Jalen Green's confidence was, you know, not where it's at, you know, earlier this season. Nah, like far cry. Jalen Green is so absurdly confident. Al P, so insanely confident. And, and Josh Christopher, like for a trio of rookies, I don't know if I could point to another trio of rookies uh on any team across the association and say yep they they carry the same they carry themselves the same way that this rockets trio of rookies uh do because they really do believe in themselves and, and they're out there i mean they'll go up against anybody on a nightly basis not backing down from anybody maybe it's a cliche to put it that way but you really see that taking place on the court and alp specifically right bully balling lebron james multiple times in this game to where like at one point i look up and Alpi's being checked by Mello and Braun's still on the floor. He's just like, nah, Mello, you go get him. Like, I'm done. I'm done with this kid. Like, I'm done with him posting me up. I'm sick of it. Yeah, Braun got the better of him on the low block. Like, you know, when he actually dialed in and played defense, but then he was like, you know, straight gassed for the next like three possessions because it's, you know, 37 year old LeBron James. But, you know, Alpi just doing Alpi things out there. Uh, you know, a, a stabilizing force for this Rockets team continues to show what he can do when given, uh, you know, legitimate starters minutes play, you know, had career highs across the board, the uh, tw what, 21 points, the 40, min uh, 40 minutes played. And then he did have a career high rebounds, 15 boards, but then they took one away. Unfortunately, uh, the official statistician said no fun for LP. So, cause there was actually a, a really cool statistic that LP was the first rookie since Dwight Howard to average a 21 15 three and three stat line or two and three stat line I forget what the stat was but I couldn't reference it because they took away one of the rebounds so um it was a really cool stat and the statistician said no more you, you guys aren't allowed to have fun but he also had that insane highlight pass to Dennis Schroeder right the the Yao Ming-esque pass the over the head over the shoulder no look to uh, you know, a cutting guard who who lays it up right there at the rim, very similar to the Yao Ming to Muchi Norris pass that is in every like top ten Yao Ming highlight reel in existence, and had to put together the side by side of that one for Twitter to take a look at because it was so cool. And it immediately, like the play happened, I was like, "Yep, that's yeah, that's the Yao Ming highlight right there." It was you know almost it looked exactly the same, but LP just continues to impress, and I think it's going to be really hard for Rockets fans to stomach whenever Christian Wood does come back into the lineup because we get these glimpses of what LP looks like as a starter and you get that taste of, yep, he's the future starting big for this team. And yet here comes Christian Wood back for the last 15 to, you know, 18 or so games of the season or whatever's left. And he's going to be the starter. Like that's just where we're at. And hopefully Christian Wood continues to produce to an extent where you maybe have the optimism that, 
possibly depending on what happens in this draft, Christian Wood and Alpi have a future together. I'm kind of out on that point. Uh, you know, I, I just don't see it happening. I don't see Alpi and, and Wood coexisting. And I think that the way that Alpi plays when he's given these legitimate starter minutes and how productive he does look, you basically have to consider Christian Wood's gone this summer. And I understand the Rockets didn't want to move him this past deadline because they didn't want to get back, you know, like 50 cents on the dollar, 60 cents on the dollar for Christian Wood because the market sucked for everybody this past trade deadline. But I think this summer it becomes almost a necessity to move on from Christian Wood, given the glimpses that you've gotten from Alperin Shingun and the fact that you may be getting ready to bring in yet another front court piece in, you know, Jabari Smith or Chet Holmgren or Paolo Bancaro, like you've got to make room somehow and you're not going to move on from Shingoon. That doesn't make any sense. So at this point, I think Christian Wood is, is likely a goner this off season. Right. And I want to touch on what you said uh, to start it off. You said these guys are like the epitome of confidence as far as rookies go. And I absolutely agree. I think I phrased it incorrectly uh, by the point I made on, on the last segment. I don't mean like actual confidence. I mean, these guys are really confident. And at the same time, they're really respectful. And, and I'll give Silas props for that. They're really respectful of playing basketball the right way. Like a team that loses as much as we do, we could fall into... Um, the bad habits of the rookies just not giving a not giving a beat <laughs> and and just jacking up shots and just going for it themselves because they're rookies and they know they're the future and you like you could have an environment like that but I mean, not at all they they take the shots when they're supposed to take the shots in the flow of the offense and they're really unselfish and to me and all three of them and to me that's definitely something that you can attribute as a merit to Stephen Silas that they've been they're, they're disciplined enough to follow what the team wants them to do uh, regardless of how well or, or, or badly the game's going and the, just to throw so, just Paolo, just to throw it in there on top of that point right it's not just Stephen Silas it is Silas to an extent but the extension of Stephen Silas on the floor is Eric Gordon and I think that's like I mean you, we can go back to the Spurs game on the road earlier this season where EG said post game, you know, he, he, EG was the one rolling in that game. And he was like, we've got to understand how to get it to the hot hand, how to get it to the guy who's got it rolling. And in this game, we saw EG with zero issues in the fourth quarter in overtime, letting Jalen green continue to dominate and take control of the game because Jalen green was the hot hand. Eric Gordon is that safety net for this Rockets team but he is the extension of the coaching staff of Steele and Silas on the floor for what they're trying to accomplish. And I think that, again, seeing Eric Gordon out there, he is, again, the perfect veteran piece to have uh, you know, alongside these young Rockets players because he doesn't need to have the basketball in his hand. He doesn't need to get 15, 20 shot attempts a game. He's very capable just out there playing solid defense, being a floor spacer and he can be that bailout guy offensively or, you know, run the offense in a pinch through him if you need to. And we saw them doing that earlier this season. We saw them relying so heavily on Eric Gordon, especially in those crunch time moments, those close game situations. And now they're finally developing and getting to a point where they're confident or again, maybe not confident enough to do it, but they're capable enough to do it now with the ball in their hands. Kevin Porter Jr. Stepping up to the plate in crunch time situations. Now Jalen green doing it. And EG's just like, yep. I'm just going to stand off to the side. You guys take the ball. You guys take over the game. A coincidence or not. I, I, I believe what you're saying, but coincidence, I don't know if it's a coincidence that this started happening after the deadline. Cause 
maybe before, and this is speculation, I'm not projecting anybody's, not projecting anybody's intentions or mindsets, but it would make sense to think that until the deadline, Eric Gordon was like, okay, let me get mine as well, because the better I am, the more likely I am to find a really good team that I can go to. It didn't, it ended up not materializing, and I'm sure he's happy in Houston still. But I, I also refuse to believe that if a true contender came after him, that he wouldn't want to go. Um, but you are, you are right. They, he has been a lot more hands-off uh, since, since the deadline. Uh, but going back to LP, I mean, it's, it wasn't just that he had 21-14 on and he took 20 shots. And I'll say right now, we need to start a petition to every time Shangun misses a shot, gets the rebound back and puts it back in, we need to start counting that as just one field goal, one field goal, one field goal percentage. Like one field goal, like the miss not count because he took 20 shots. And he shot 45% from the field. And it really didn't feel like he had an inefficient game when you watch the actual game because he'd, he'd miss, but he'd get the ball back and he'd put it back up and you're like, okay, like that's one possession. You know what I mean? Like if you, if you instead of field goals went by possessions, I would say I would say he probably had a more efficient game than what the stats tell you. And then besides that, he had two blocks and two steals. And for a guy that I know blocks and steals are not the be-all and all of defense at the NBA level, far from it. But it's also funny how this guy who's supposed to not be a good defender or wasn't projected to be a good defender consistently when he gets minutes as a solo five gets crazy amounts of blocks and steals. I mean, I'm looking at, I'm sorting his stats by field goal attempts and in and looking at, I don't know, his top five games in field goal attempts. He has, two, so game by game, two blocks, two steals, two blocks, uh, two steals, three blocks, two steals, two blocks, two steals, one block, one steal, three blocks. So when he is involved and then when he plays actually heavy minutes, I feel like he gets these stats like a lot and he might not be the best defender, but he might be good enough just to even run him at the five and have a guy like Jabari Smith or Chet Holmgren put up with him in the front court. And I think that will be fine. I feel, feel like it's his defense defensive struggles are a little bit overplayed and just so we don't forget about anyone and we don't do an entire podcast on just one game just a shout out to kj martin who has been killing it for the long like for the last as long as Jalen green's been killing it and it, it really feels like maybe there's some correlation there because as, as i said before on the pod kj is a lot more of a lower maintenance lower maintenance kind of player where he doesn't take those hook shots that they does, where he doesn't bring the ball up the floor, where he doesn't, where he doesn't take initiative as much himself, and the fact that he's such a good screener, such a good lob threat, the fact that he's a better he's low, he's low usage. That's the best way to put it. Yeah. He's yeah. a low usage, and he he does his he fills his role almost perfectly. Right, he goes out, he's going to set good screens. He's going to roll hard. He's going to spot up where he needs to offensively. The three-point shooting has been a much welcome surprise to see him get back to a a decent three-point shooting percentage. And then on top of all of that, he's a much improved defender, both on ball and as a team defender, right? We've seen him get the crazy highlight blocks. We've seen, you know, all of those. Yeah, Giant Slayer, KJ Martin, all that, right? It's exciting. It's fun when he gets those. 
but just schematically, he understands defensive schemes a lot better. He understands where he's supposed to be on the floor significantly better. And he is just, he's, you know, he, the fact that Rafael Stone picked him up as a late second rounder, like the eye for talent is absolutely there for Rafael Stone. And it's really exciting to think about what this Rockets team is going to be able to accomplish down the line, right? As long as if Jalen Green hits, which it's looking like he's going to hit, if Al P hits, which it's looking like he's going to be very, very good, all of that, then thinking about, okay, yeah, this team's going to pick up steam in a few years, potentially, right? They're going to have those mid-tier first-rounders, those late first-rounders, thinking about what Rafael Stone's still going to be able to do if he's going to keep bringing in talent, even if it's not top-end talent at the top of a draft that he's got the eye for talent to be able to find gems like a KJ Martin, even if you don't have a top draft pick is really exciting. Yeah. And another thing that he brings is he's a better, a better rebounder. He just takes that more personally. I think feel like maybe, maybe Deshaun boxes out more. I'm not sure. I don't have that stat in front of me, but he had 11 rebounds last night. He played 40 minutes and he had 11 rebounds. He also is a good passer when attacking closeouts. He might not be a playmaker, but he's someone who can work as a connector and make the extra pass when you need, when you need him to. And he just feels so perfect for this team that you have to wonder at some point, as much as I love Jason Tate, and if you're going to draft another forward, possibly even another forward and a wing with the Brooklyn pick, if, if that's necessary, we're starting to hit a point where our guys are too good. And we're going to have to start start making some tough decisions on both guys are good, but we need to pick the one that fits us better because all of these guys are role players and the role players need to fit around the center, the corners, the cornerstones of the franchise, not the other way around. I feel like KJ right now is starting to look like the easier fit into whatever system you want to run. Just because I mean, it's that Robert Covington uh, archetype. If you can, if you can you're a weak side rim protector, shoot the three and play perimeter defense. That's that's it. That's uh, that's the perfect archetype with whatever study you want to play someone with. All right. So I can't get the box out stats up in time. So I'm going to pivot to something real quick. Um, one thing we touched on the last podcast and then I'll bring up again. And it was also brought up on the space we did last night. Um, you know, Ryan Hollins talked about, I was going to make a similar point. Um, towards the very end and he took the words right out of my mouth and he was talking about how free throw shooting is contagious and you know a notable player on this team that struggled with free throw shooting is Christian Wood um, Christian Wood did not play in this game and the Rockets ended up shooting 95% from the free throw line um, you know whether you can say that's the free throw shooting being contagious the Rockets having hot free throw shooting night there have been a lot of struggles from the free throw line from this team and they didn't get a ton of free throws overall they got 19 free throws as a team and they made 18 of those and they literally needed every single one of them to get to overtime. Um, but there are some players on this team that are good shooters, right? Eric Gordon, Shingun, Kevin Porter Jr., Jalen Green, Dennis Schroeder, Garrison Matthews, Josh Christopher. These are guys that <clears throat> have all the tools and the capability to be making a high percentage of their free throws game after game after game. Um, so for me, it was a very positive that there wasn't one guy that just got to the line over and over again. You know, Jalen could have got there a bunch more times. Like we said, he was fouled at the end. He was fouled a couple other times. But we had a lot of guys get to the free throw line. It was pretty even distribution. And largely, they all converted on their free throws. So that was one big positive takeaway I had from this game as well. 
And, you know, some, someone that we haven't talked about so much was Josh Christopher, right? I think that's the last guy that really, um, he didn't have a career game. I think he, was it tie his career high? Was one under it? I believe he tied his career high. Tied his career high. But, you know, he just made shots that were very timely throughout this game, right? And he was someone that went and hit a lot of mid-range shots. We saw the post after the game where him and Jalen, uh, I think it was Jalen that put mid-range isn't dead uh, on the caption of the IG p- uh, picture. Jo- Josh put it on his caption when he put, when okay. he made the post. Yeah, and and it's it's true. I mean, Josh's impact in this game, you know, he stepped in and immediately was a, was an impressive scoring punch off the bench. But I think you really you can look up and down this Rockets roster, and of the nine guys who all played this game, I, I don't think there was a bad game in the bunch. I think that David Nwaba and Garrison Matthews didn't have you know, much of an impact overall in this game, in the minutes that they played. I think the other seven players definitely were much more impactful, but across those seven, everybody had a really impressive performance, you know, whether it was EG coming up with the big three late in overtime, playing the defense steadily on LeBron James over the course of the game, Kevin Porter Jr., who continues to find ways to be impactful, even the fact, even despite the fact that he wasn't putting the ball in the basket, just four of 13 shooting from the floor. He walked away flirting with a triple double and was creating at a very high level for the team, 10 assists to just the one turnover. So Kevin Porter Jr., even though like earlier this season, we would see him kind of get into a shooting funk, right? Where maybe he, the ball's not going through the hoop and he gets frustrated with himself. He's not as locked in defensively or, you know, not running back in transition, those things. He didn't see that happening in this game, despite the fact that he couldn't get it going offensively. And he was just one of six from behind the three-point line. He was still very much locked in and choosing to impact the game in whatever else he, in whatever other ways he could, despite the scoring. And then as he started to realize that Jalen green had it going that other guys were, you know, had it going in this game that Josh was rolling that LP was getting his work done. He just made it his number one priority to take a step back and say, you know what, these last couple of games, I've been filling it up. Right. I went off against the Grizzlies. I went off early against the Miami heat. That's not this type of game. This type of game is I need to set my guys up. I need to put guys in position to be successful. And that's exactly the kind of growth you want to see out of him as the potential future point guard of this organization. So I managed to track down the box out stats. So just to, to finish off that point uh, from earlier, Jay Sean Tate, 1.7 box outs and Kenya Martin Jr. 0.6 box outs. So, you know, substantial advantage from Tate uh, yeah, in that specific department. Per game or per 36? Because Tate plays a lot more. This looks like per, looks like per game. Yeah, yeah per game. Of, of course, Tate's going get, to get more. He plays more. Let me see what the minutes they have. They have it at Tate twenty-seven minutes and KMJ twenty. So I mean, oh, but that's not a three three x minutes discrepancy either. But it's, I would it's, say it's I would say just right. from just from the eye test, it seems like Tate's more dedicated to boxing out. Just, yep. just watching it visually, um, you know. Any any final points you'll have? Just kind of recapping yeah. this game. Yeah, my, my last point is uh, I was doing like what my own ideal rotation would look like. And the, the, the conclusion I came to was, if we want to see these guys play more, the guy, one or two guys has to suffer when it comes to the minutes. And that's either Eric Gordon or Garrison Matthews. And Eric Gordon is the much better player. So Garrison Matthews is going to be the one to, to take less minutes if we're going to play heavily around Jalen and KPJ and, and Josh Christopher, right? 
and the last few games, Carson played nine. I know he's like had some ankle issues, but he seems to come back into the game regardless. So, Carson's played 19 minutes um, last game. He played 20 minutes against the Heat. He played, let me see, against the Grizzlies. He played 24 minutes against the Grizzlies. Like, it's not, and some of these games are without a recording with him being out. So, it seems like the coaching, like not the coaching staff, but it's, it seems like they're figuring out that Josh Christopher is more of a priority, and that's good to see because he's he's been, he like KJ Martin seems to play better the more minutes he gets. He gets really inconsistent minutes. He struggles, he's, he goes into a shooting funk, whatever, just like KJ. And when he plays heavy minutes, like he did the last night, I think he played 20 something minutes. It does look a lot better for him, so it's it's a nice development uh, from my point of view. Jackson, do you have any final thoughts? Dennis Schroeder is good, and I'm glad he's on the team. He does okay. a good job orchestrating the offense when he's on the floor. He had six assists to just one turnover in this game. I, look, I I'm very excited about what Dacian Nix might be able to provide in the future, but I think you know at this point keep letting him get the G league reps. There's no reason to bring him up to just get, you know, barely 10, 15 minutes of run when he could be getting 30 minutes plus and, and continuing to hone and refine his skills at the G league level. Same, same deal with Usman Garuba, you know, depending on what type of news we get about his uh, wrist rehab, right? Let him go back down continue to get those, you know, full, full blown minutes and reps with the Vipers. Uh, and, and maybe there's a spot in the rotation next year for Dacian Nix, right? I'm very excited about the possibility of, of his future with this Rockets team, but I do think that Dennis Schroeder just gives this Rockets team a bit of an edge when he's on the floor. He understands he's been bought into the role of facilitating at a high level for the guys that are on the floor with him. Uh, and it's just nice to see, right? I, I think he's an added benefit. And to this point, I haven't been upset by anything that I've seen out of Dennis Schroeder. I think he's, you know, he could have come in and been a ball hog and just, you know, been about his stats and not being a team player, but he's very much just bought into that facilitator role. He's going to try and help everybody on the floor succeed. He looks like a natural point guard out there. And he just, his pace is just on a different level at times than, than Kevin Porter Jr., who is still kind of, you know, processing and figuring things out a bit slower than Dennis Schroeder, who's been doing this, right? He's a, what, not eight, nine-year NBA vet. So he, he gets it. He understands how to see the game, how to, how to process the game as a point guard. So that's my final point there. Dennis Schroeder's good. I like him on the team. Yeah, and he's a, better, he's a better comp for what KPJ might become than DJ Augustine was, who's the guy who was here back then, because DJ Augustine was never going to be a scorer. He was always going to be a, a more of a floor general guy. Uh, Schroeder is definitely someone who leverages his scoring better uh, to playmake, and I think KPJ has a lot more to learn from him than he ever did from DJ. So my final thoughts on this Laker game is something that the three of us actually talked about on a pod a while back. I can't remember what episode it was, but we talked about, you know, since Harden left, we have had a lot of games that were just, you know, the games didn't mean much. We're trying to lose, get a top draft pick or whatever. And every now and then you get these games that have like a higher profile to have certain level of quote unquote stakes attached to it. And, you know, LeBron James coming into your building, there's always going to be a certain level of fanfare that goes along with that. We heard Ryan and Craig talking about 
how or and Jonathan Sanford as well about how many Laker fans were in the arena and how they were so happy to see the the red rowdies in the upper deck go against those Laker fans and get loud in the stadium stuff like that and you know this Laker game was just another time for me this season where we've had a chance to you know get one of those those high stakes games you know not playoff stakes games but you know the juices are flowing. You're in there. You're feeling good. They're playing well against the Lakers. You want to see them get a win. It's the same thing with the Grizzlies game. I, I was there for that one. Uh, I caught up with Jackson. We caught up with some, some other Rockets fans at halftime. And it was just a, a really fun game. Memphis came in on a very strong note. And you saw the Rockets really get up for that game and, and want to go in there and compete against John Morant. And I think it, this is going to kind of be a talking point going into tomorrow just for time stamping this, you know, the, the Nets ended up being the 76ers earlier and they have all the hard and slander stuff going on right now. But, you know, just seeing the competition that these young guys have when they go up against LeBron James, or they went up against John Morant. It, it's really good to see that they're players that they recognize that moment. They see the challenge and they rise up to that occasion, right? And they're, they're playing some of their best ball in these higher leverage situations. And for me, just when, when that overtime period started and Jalen green just went off in that first stretch, you just, you had that sensation of, you know, just imagine this in the playoffs, right? Imagine this in, in, you know, games that really, really mean something. You can see, you know, what the front office saw when they drafted Jalen Green. And that just gives you so much hope and so much life as a Rockets fan. It's very invigorating. So um, that was my big takeaway from this game, just from a, a future perspective. I really enjoyed it. I'm sure most people listening to this podcast probably The, the it factor well. was through the roof. Absolutely. Like, we've, we've been saying it since the beginning. The, the, the it factor with Jalen yeah, through the roof. So speaking of people with the it factor, we are going to talk about someone who just got uh, a one-way, well, actually a round-trip ticket uh, to the United States in the final segment. So don't go anywhere. We'll do an ex- exclusive interview with someone you may be uh, familiar with. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Looking for a better way to rep H-Town? Be sure to check out ApolloHOU.com for Astros and Rockets apparel you can't find anywhere else. Use promo code LAUNCH for 10% off at checkout. Apollo HOU. All Houston. All original. And we're back. So, we knocked out all of our Lakers game coverage. Tomorrow, the Rockets are going to be playing against the Dallas Mavericks, the rival Mavericks. Uh... Luka Doncic plays for the Mavericks. There's your uh, game preview. They also have Spencer Dinwiddie, so I just wanted to, to make sure I got one that's in there for, for the Easter egg. But Hey, Spencer Dinwiddie's been good for them. That's all yeah. I'm going to say. Like, yeah, he's he been has. back in his six-man role for the Mavericks. He's looked really good. They've been running very infrequently. They've been running a three-guard lineup with Brunson, Dinwiddie, and, and Luka Doncic. And it's – I don't know if it's like – I don't know if it's real yet because uh, – kids only use it like a couple times, three times, I think so, so far specifically. And it's, it's looked good. Luca's got the size to play like the three, right. Even though he's a guard. So defensively, it's not like the absolute end of the world for them, but uh, Mavericks are an interesting team. They've been making, you know, the waves and, and kind of, you know, rising up the Western conference standings and they may be able to finish as a, as a top four seed, despite their struggles, you know, to, to start earlier this season, I kind of have the Mavericks and the Celtics kind of like, on the same tiers as far as like East and West, as far as they, like they really struggled early this season, making the waves, the push here at the tail end of the season and could very well finish, you know, as a top four seed in their respective conferences. So, and both of those teams got new head coaches as well. So there's going to take some time to adjust to that. Um, Sorry. What are you going to say? All 
all that just to get crushed by Cleo and Green. I feel so bad for Olga Doncic tomorrow. <laughs> hey, well, someone's got to, you know, be on the chopping block for Jalen and the, and the buzzsaw that he has become. But, um, you know, switching gears a little bit. Yesterday, uh, all of the, the kind of work behind the scenes came out and we did the big reveal that, you know, unleashed our fundraiser to see if we could get Paolo, a.k.a. Prodigy, over to the U.S. to come watch a Rockets game. Uh, everyone that donated to that did an incredible job and we hit our goal extremely fast. And so we kind of got to spend the rest of the day just, you know, enjoying the the concept that Prod's going to get over here and experience Houston and have a great time meeting Rockets fans stuff like that. So Prod, what I want to do with this segment is just, we're going to do a little bit of kind of what are you most excited for? What do you really envision getting out of your trip to Houston? And then maybe me and Jackson can, can kind of bounce some ideas off of, of things that we can recommend that you do while you're out here. So, you know, what we'll start with that. What is the thing you're looking most forward to? Uh, obviously going to the Rockets game, I'm sure is number one, but outside of going to the Rockets game, what are you most looking forward to doing when you get over the U S what am I supposed to say? Y'all are keeping this like for full disclosure. I didn't know about this until literally like one hour before they posted the stuff yesterday. And then I still don't know most of the stuff we're going to do. They're like, they're being really secretive about it. They want it to be a surprise. So it's tough to say what I'm most excited about besides the stuff that I know is going to happen already, like the game. So the game's clearly the stuff I'm most excited about. We're taking you to the strip club that has the uh, James Harden jersey hanging in it. See, there's another thing you could be excited about. Whataburger <laughs> was another great option you could have mentioned. Good, good thing I turned uh, 21 like a week ago. Exactly. You can, get it, you can get it at 18 here. You can. You can. No, you, you, can, you can here as well. I was just assuming that America was all 21. I mean, the, like a bunch of people are talking about the food. And I've seen some crazy pictures of stuff that I would not imagine go together. So the picture of fried chicken with waffles. And I was like... Wait, what? The fact that what chicken and waffles is a is a foreign concept, like, is so crazy to me. Which, hey, oh man, no pun intended there. I didn't mean to say foreign concept, but I mean, like, I just, I, I like for like chicken, chicken and waffles is just the thing that like I grew up with. Yeah. So, like, it's like to me, I'm just like, yeah, that's chicken and waffles. So seeing your reaction, it's like so wholesome because I'm just like, it's a, it literally is a brand new world that you're about to get exposed to, which is so exciting. So, Prod, you're also also an option is uh, Pleasure Pier in Kima. You know, if you want to make sure you're in good with the organization, make sure you shout out Landry's a couple times. Maybe we can get you into a uh, maybe do a salt grass or a Chelsea, uh, Cadillac. Chelsea, the um, Gretchen Shear answered yes. the the tweet and yes. she just listed. No, she just tagged Landry's. <laughs> that was so funny. Like, this is a not a, this people. is not a joke. This is very serious. <laughs> Please do not insult the good name of Landry's. Um, in case they're listening, we love. Hey man, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be completely upfront. Like sometimes when you're, when you just want to get like a quick bite to eat, like sawgrass be hitting. Like I had a sawgrass right next to my apartment uh, before I moved, and I've still got another one like somewhere nearby here. But like just for a quick dinner, like I mean, I go in there, I get a you know big old ribeye and some sides, and I get the appetizer, the with the the jalapenos and the fried pickles. But I'd get straight all jalapenos because. I love me some fried jalapenos. So good. Okay. Oh. I, I have a special place in my heart for uh, the grotto. It's a Landry's property. Uh, we did our, um, what's it called? What's what's the big dance you do in high school? I'm so washed. I can't remember. Prom? Uh, prom. Yeah, we did our prom. <laughs> prom. I was thinking, I was thinking, uh, 
Homecoming? homecoming. Homecoming. It wasn't homecoming. Yeah. We did our prom dinner at Grotto. And it was actually really nice and actually really enjoyed the food. Some of the, you know, better Italian food I've had in my day. I've had some good Italian food up in Chicago as well, which it's I think they're kind of known like, for that. But it's so different for me because y'all are talking and I got no clue what you're all talking about. So I mean, my, my mindset going in is like, I'm, I'm going to cut this out. So you're not insulting the good name of Landry's again. So we sent you the flashcards of all the Landry's properties. You're supposed to study them. <laughs> and now we know you did not study them at all. I'm very embarrassed on your behalf. Um, but in all seriousness, <laughs> but in all seriousness, right. So yeah, the food is something that's going to be really fun. Um, I think we're going to try to get, I'm not done and... talking about the food. Let okay, me talk right, a little bit more about the food. Listen, I'm, I'm going to be extremely. Um, uh, I, I said don't know. you needed to fast for the first week before you got here. Like, you just need to not eat anything for like the week leading up to the trip <laughs> because you need to be empty when you get here because you need to have as much good food and experience as many locations as possible in the, in the little bit of time that you're going to be here. So please like, at least for the three days leading up, like don't eat, just like drink water just, and that's just it. faint on the airplane. <laughs> have like a vitamin pill or something just to like, make sure you've got your nutrients and that's it. Like eat like a, a nature Valley bar or something. And that's all you can have on a sailing trip. Just so, there you go. Just yeah. So, just so y'all know the level of, of like complete unawareness that I'm on. My the thing I'm looking forward to is trying fried chicken because all you can get in Portugal that's fried chicken is literally KFC. Like that's that's all. That's oh, the only you, chain there is. We're gonna, get, we're gonna get you right. Don't don't even worry that's, about it. That's the only thing that is. And and then we have a lot more than KFC. I've never right? had. I promise you that. <laughs> I've never had. Uh, and people were like like on like down my throat about this. I never had tacos because that's Pause. just not a thing here. It's not a thing. It's just so you know how how different it is. Um, another thing, I'll be honest with you. So Portuguese diet is we have a, we have some like traditional Portuguese meals that everybody has all over the country, and then there's a lot of seafood, and then okay, other than other than that's mostly meat, right? And I'm a guy that doesn't like seafood. I'm I'm from a country specialized in seafood, and I don't like it. so I so. My diet consists of mostly meat, which means that I'm going to Houston and there's like a bunch of new stuff. And oh, we're going to take I, you to barbecue, focus, my friend. We're going to take you to listen, barbecue. Listen, my, my focus is just like try as much as you possibly can because you don't get oh, yeah. like cancers like these like often. A bit, of just, me, a bit of me died hearing you say you don't like seafood. Seafood. Yeah, I'm gonna, like, we're going to make you try seafood too. What type no, of seafood do they have there? Is it just like fish or do they have like lobster no, it's and most, crab? Yeah, it's mostly a uh, lobster, shrimp, and crab. Okay, so like, you, do you like fish then? Yes. Okay, we'll, we'll so probably like, get fish at some point. For, for, for me, fish is like, it's kind of like meat. It's not okay. that different. Yeah, we'll probably um, take somewhere. Where you so you don't like, you don't like shellfish. That's what you don't yeah. like. You like burnt out yeah. on that. Okay, there we go. Yeah. All right, that. All right, we I can, can live see that. that. If you OD on shellfish, I can see that. We're gonna get um, you some redfish poncha train from Papa Do's. Ooh, ooh, I know. There we, we go. Pretending to, the best part of these conversations I is love me pretending, oh, me pretending to, me pretending to tr- to understand what y'all are talking about because I got no clue. Yeah. Red like, redfish is my favorite fish. I'm trying to let me Google redfish like live on there. It's to a see what fish this is. that is red. What you're gonna it's see. delicious. Have you ever have it, you ever seen a it, one fish, two fish, red fish, blue fish? Is it not salmon? About redfish? No, it's not salmon. 
Oh. Um, sorry, I just went on Dr. Seuss rant there. Um, I think <laughs> I think the other thing, probably like in addition to the food stuff, I think we're gonna try to take you on a tour of we're gonna see the Astros Stadium, we're gonna see the Texans Stadium. Um and then you mean the Hose Mad Stadium? <laughs> Hose Mad Park. Yes, we will be seeing Hose <laughs> Mad Park. Uh, the Hose did get mad again today uh, once baseball got reinstated. I'm currently wearing my Astros gear. Bill Simmons will uh, forever be mad. Yes, he will. I, we may try to get you over the Dynamo uh, Arena. That's the Houston soccer team. But I know, we'll I see. Know. It's it's pretty close to it's pretty close to Minute Maid. Does I think. the Dynamo have? I'm, I'm oh, probably. They actually just signed someone um, international. I can't remember who it was though, but I think those. I remember y'all. We, we got we got to right? we got to run a pickup game right outside Toyota Center like Sunday morning before the game. That, like, that would also be, be really fun. That would be. Y'all are gonna get to see how much I suck, and I'm going yeah, to forever. Part, how, be... how long off the ACL tear are you? I don't know. I'm I'm good from the ACL tear. How long but ago was I'm, it though? I'm, but I'm not in. But I'm not in shape for. But like. It was three years ago now, but oh, I, okay. I like full like I got one hundred percent like one year ago. Okay, but it's fine. So but I think no, it's, I think it's the other thing about... we need to I think the other thing we need to take part to do is go see the Galleria. I mean, do y'all have any big malls over there? Like shopping malls, I, shopping centers. Define define big. <laughs> this thing is like four stories and like. Is the Galleria is still the biggest one in America, or is it now? Is it? I not thought Ball of America is the biggest one. There it is. Okay. Yeah. So but, I mean, the Galleria is probably. It's it's an incredible mall. It's got like everything you can really okay, see so in it. We have and, four stories, but the four stories one is small. It's like smaller in size, okay. and then you have like the big ones that are like two or three. But okay. th- what I'm assuming it's like. Oh, I found I found the roster for for the Dynamo. Let's see if I can. Typical this, European this is, man. This is no dragging long, everything down to soccer. This is this is no longer a basketball podcast. This is a soccer podcast now. It's a soccer podcast, yeah. Hey man, I don't know if I don't have a go. podcast. Maybe we can yeah, branch see, out. We, we'll oh. expand. Um. <laughs> all right. Yeah. So, dude, like, I listen. The, the the biggest thing for me is like just getting to meet everyone because I've seen y'all do stuff and i'm like from over here and i'm like damn i wish i was there and then and now i'm finally going to be able to be there and the biggest thing and we'll we'll test out how many of the actual Apple people listen to the podcast one of the biggest things for me i'm just going to crush everyone at table tennis and okay uh, well i i think they have a table tennis at the apollo hq so maybe we can make that happen that's what i'm saying anyone I'm that going to crush everyone. Wants to go and i watch them play and that. they all suck the the the, the challenge go. has been issued from Paolo. He's going to crush everybody in table tennis. But honestly, like this whole All situation, welcome. This whole situation is really crazy when you think about it, right? And just you know the the way that these relationships are formed. You know, I think back to when I first started. You know, really getting involved. You know, with Rockets Twitter and like interacting with people in the social media landscape and like the the lifelong friendships that I've created and cultivated in my time, like talking about the, because at the end of the day, it's all because we, you know, love basketball. We are fans of the game, but then we're also, you know, fans of this, you know, little team called the Houston Rockets, whether it's just because they caught your eye because of a specific player or because the color of their jerseys was really cool. Or it was just the team that you randomly like threw a dart at and you were like, that's going to be the team that I root for. And we're all like in this together. And now we've, you know, cultivated and grown friendships and to, to see 
prod, especially you from where you started, you know, migrating over from the rocket subreddit, you know, diving into the mess, the cesspool that at times, you know, oftentimes is NBA Twitter, but then kind of coming up through the ranks and then, you know, establishing yourself. And, you know, for so long, you were one of the, you know, no name, you know, faceless avatars. And then I remember when you did your very first, your face reveal on Locked on Rockets. And that was a really cool moment there to like, get out there and just be like, this is me. This is, this is who I am. But then on top of that to then like make the shift and, you know, put your, put your real name out there, like on your Twitter profile and become like this identified, you know, person within Rockets Twitter and to see everything that you've done and grown and, and accomplished. And then now to have the opportunity to come over and experience a game and, and hang out with us for a weekend and all that. It's just, it's a testament to how, how cool things can be, right? Like at the end of the day, social media sucks for a lot of reasons, but this example is one of the reasons why it's such a beautiful thing and it can be a really cool thing. And I'm excited to have you over here. I know hundreds, if not thousands of people possibly are excited to have you over here to see your journey, to see your experience and to live like, and shout out to the other international fans, right? All the fans who like you are up at like the ass crack of dawn watching games, like you know, messed up sleep schedules, all of that, just to root for this little team that we call the Houston Rockets. And the the commitment and the passion to be an international fan is so far and above like that of a regular fan. So for you to have this experience, this opportunity to come over and do something like this, it's, I, I think Itamar said it, you know, he, it's going to open the doorway for a lot of other international fans to see like, oh my God, this is so cool. Like, you know, I, I don't know. It's just a very, very cool thing. I'm not being very eloquent right now. I'm, I'm gassing <laughs> out. It's been a long day for me, but I'm really excited to have you over here. You've worked so hard to like make a name for yourself and create these connections. And people really do value your insight, your analysis, your thoughts on the game. And above all else, people value your friendship. And I, and I think that, you know, I value your friendship, the connections that I've made with you, the, you know, what you've done with Don and all the other safe spaces hosts and all the other names who, you know, now know you and, and you know, interact with you on the, on a day-to-day -day basis because of this Rockets team. It's just really cool to see. So Right. Let me let me go on a little bit of a of a monologue for for a second, and this is the second time I'm doing this today because you got, uh, you got Chris five Shelton, minutes. You got five yeah, minutes. Chris Shelton from from the Chronicle actually contacted me to to do like some sort of interview. Like it's nuts um, because for y'all, y'all grew up Rockets fans. I became a Rockets fan after being not an adult but close to it. I was like 15 years old back then and so i have learned what i know today through people who i interact on the daily now and that's such a such a mind-blowing experience from someone because in europe like sports figures are untouchable like the reporters for the teams are ex-players and they're like they're actual celebrities and it it's crazy to because coming from that background, being able to interact with so many of the guys that I started, that I learned basketball through, is actually nuts. And then another thing is, we complain about the hate we get, and it's frustrating. But the amount of love that that y'all showed, that everyone, that everyone showed on that thread, even even the people that weren't donating, just the people that were sending kind messages, and the people that were retweeting and sharing it, like. It, it was nuts because we know those people are there, but to see it materialize into, into what it was yesterday was, I mean, I was speechless for like 
six hours until the, until the game came on and, and I kind of kind of was into the game and, and, and then I became I came back to normal and just talking about just brings a tear to my eye again. And just so just so just a good way to understand how unreal it is is <laughs> imagine me explaining to my dad who is a lot more old school and who just doesn't get social media at all like that kind of person. Imagine me coming to him and saying, hey, you know, the, that stuff I do late at night that I am just like a madman at 3 a.m. talking about whatever the fuck. The people that I've met and the people that watch what I do have come together and and pulled together enough enough money to get me to a game, like flight from Portugal to a game. Like people that don't know me people I just met through social media, people that <laughs> never been with me, like, ever. And imagine, like, I wish you were in the room when I said this, well, when I was trying to explain this, because it, it sounds, like, super surreal. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> what the fuck is going on? You know, it's this kind of stuff just... It, it's really unique. And from a traditional mindset of, of how stuff works, this is just not how stuff works. Like, what do you mean... 50 something people came together and decided that they were going to spend their hard earned money to bring you to a game just because you talk about the team and you've never gotten a chance to. Like, I've done nothing that warrants this type of reward. And if you look at it from a real life perspective, it's even more shocking. And I, 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 from my perspective, I'm just like incredibly thankful it, it, it still feels surreal. The first time we all talked about it, it, it felt surreal at that time. And then seeing it actually work, we got to the donation goal in less than an hour. Like that's that's insane. Like, like I know Twitter has a short short memory, but I'm not ever going to like this is going to be something that even even if doing stuff about rockets doesn't work, even if I eventually. Like if, if eventually it dies out or if eventually life changes and I don't do this anymore, this is going to be one of those things that I'm going to hold on to for the entirety of my life and that I'm, I'm going to be old and, and dying and this will, this will be one of those moments in life where you're like, damn, that shit really fucking happened. And that's something that I will probably never be able to give back. And it's it's like it's insane to as a 20 year old i mean as someone who's just became an adult by us standards to already have a story like this that i can hold on to and and endear for for the rest of my life and the stuff hasn't even happened yet so imagine how i'll feel when i actually get there yeah dude we're super excited super excited for you um yeah, man, it's gonna be incredible. I hope everyone. Did, did he stick to this, his five minute timer, or did he go over? He like, got it. it. He got it. Yeah, it was right at five minutes. Um, that, that's a vet for you right there. Uh, but yeah, super excited. I can't wait. You know, to meet you for sure. Uh, I'm sure Jackson will be there in some capacity. Uh, and then of course Nima, Brad, and um, Will are all gonna be there. We'll see if Zeke is able to get down or not. Um, he's kind of in the works on that, but you know. For anyone else that's listening and hasn't 
got a chance to you know come to some of these Rockets Twitter meetups. I said this on the space last night, but I'm going to reiterate it here. You know, it's great to talk with people on Twitter, and you know if that's all you have the 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 capacity to do, you know, gas is really expensive right now. I definitely get it. Um, then that's awesome, right? It's great to make friends that way. But if you have the ability to get out to some of these Rockets Twitter meetups, I would absolutely recommend that you do that because it's just so awesome to be able to network and like experience rocket stuff with other people that are just as passionate about you. You know, one of the reasons that I'm even here right now is like, I had a group of friends and they were all diehard sports fans too, but like they weren't rockets fans the way that I was. And I was like, I watch rockets all the time. I want to talk about it. And they were like, we, we talk about football mostly or they're fans of other teams. I was like, I need people to talk about rockets with. So I got on clutch fans. I got on some other forums discord and i migrated eventually to rocket twitter and same thing like now here i am doing a podcast with you know jackson one of the biggest people in rockets media and prod one of the biggest international fans so you never know man just shoot your shot you know go in to one of these rockets twitter activities meet up with us and we're not scary like i know you, people say that all the hollywood stuff or not we're super nice people we will be very welcoming we'll talk to you and 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 give you our time of day so that's what I'm gonna leave y'all with. If you have a chance to go network, go meet up with other Rockets fans, even just watch a game live. You don't have to even go to the games. We do the the watch parties outside of the games. Come to one of those. Um, you know, if we do the Rockets uh, pickup run, come to that. It's just a great way to to build with people that have the same passion as you. So that's gonna do it for us tonight. Uh, until next time. Oh well, let me sorry. Let me get the plugs off real quick, and then then I'll do my little closing. So of course you can follow me at Don Knock. Like I said in the intro, follow the pod, Apollo Launchpad, Apollo HOU main account, Apollo HOU on Twitch, and Apollo Podcast Network on YouTube. Um, subscribe on Tw- on um, Spotify and Apple if you want to get the pod tonight. We, those go up right after we finish recording, and then we tweet out the links tomorrow, so you get them earlier if you subscribe. And probably go ahead and tell the people where they can find your stuff at. Yeah, first off, you better come. If, if you don't, if you have a chance to come to the meet, to one of the meetups and you don't, and I see you flaming me for a take ever again, I'm not, I'm not paying attention to you any, like, any more time. If one of the things about talking to someone is you understand a lot better the opposite point of view by talking to someone, and that's what we're going to do. Like, we're not running fucking book signing by some, by some, like well-renowned like author like we're normal people we're just going to be talking about about the rockets and watching the rockets so be sure um, to come hang me, out Paolo, I, I want you to sign my mouse pad when i meet you in person <laughs> that's a gamer me, damn dude the gamer will, reference me and will were approached at the last watch party event we did when we did um at the game and one of the people that showed up there asked us to sign his christian wood jersey and i <laughs> melted inside i was like I do not Yo, th- this is why you are right Hollywood. I, I've been asked for selfies plenty of times from people who are like, yo, you're the Locked on Rockets guy, right? And I'm like, yeah. Like, what, I, how do you, and I'm like, I don't, what's up, man? And like, that's dope. That's fun. I've never been asked to sign something, which is why you are Hollywood Don Knock. It was, a, it was an extremely humbling experience. I'm not going to lie. And like, I, I, I'm someone who like, I don't like when those words are used because I usually, when people are saying that, they're like, I don't know. It just doesn't hit that way. But like, I was in shock that this dude asked us. I have to pull his, what's his name? Something Bobby Smith. Oh, it's that guy. It's that guy. Yeah. Oh, super oh, nice Bobby, guy. Bobby Smith is my guy. 
Yeah, super nice guy, dude. Super nice guy. He came and chilled with us after the game for a little while. Um, yeah, shout out to him if you're listening. It's super fun meeting you. Uh, and he think he said he was gonna be at some of the other games, so you may be able to meet him at the game you go to. Probably we'll have to see. Um, yeah. So we haven't said this yet, uh, and and I'll I'll say this, and I'll go into the books, and that's my bad. Okay. Um, the game is uh, the last game of the season against Atlanta. I'm probably going to be there uh, the entire weekend, and we probably have some sort of watch party for the Raptors game beforehand. So, I think we're going to do a watch party with the Summit State of Mind guys. Yeah, um, I think so, it's going to so, be so, so I'll cover that plug. The Summit State of Mind guys are hosting a watch party for the Raptors game that Friday night. Yeah, uh, I'm not. I believe it's going to be Urban South, but I'm not 100 percent sure on that. I think it's going to be Urban South. I think we'll so. update. We'll update if that changes, but I'm going to be helping to co-host that event. So definitely want to come through yeah. on that one. Cause it'll be a, a welcoming in party for Paolo. It'll be uh, a fun night with the summit state of mind boys locked on rockets, Apollo launch pad. Everybody's going to be out there. It's going to be great. Definitely don't want to miss that one. Absolutely. Yeah. And we're going to be recording like a vlog of the entire experience. So if you want to, if you want to be in the vlog, We'll, you'll have a better chance if you if you join with the meetups and i've heard i've heard a lot of people saying that they're buying tickets to go to the game on on sunday so listen if we if we how do i say this if we get a great crowd at, uh, at toyota center at the last game of the season and we get a great game we'll co- imagine how memorable that will be but uh, going on to onto the the other stuff, y'all can find me at Paul Alves NBA on Twitter. That's P A U L O A L V E S uh, NBA. Everything I do from podcasts like this one to live shows on Twitter Spaces. We recently had Craig Ackerman on the Spaces, which is nuts, just last night. So make sure to tune in for that. Our articles, it will all find itself linked on there. Jackson, go ahead and tell people where they can find your stuff. On the little blue bird app at JT Gatlin. You can also check out Locked on Rockets wherever you get your podcasts, on YouTube, all that good stuff. Perfect. So until next time, be safe and go Rockets.